As the choir was singing that, it occurred to me that um, in my condition, I would probably sing kneeling in the need of prayer. And it struck me how important it is for the black culture to say standing because they have been forced on their knees most of their history. While I would probably be the one standing over them. Changes the whole perspective now, standing in the need of prayer. Thank you for that. This morning's text comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew. We are still in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew has Jesus give these words on the mountaintop. In Luke, it's by the sea on the plain, but Matthew has Jesus on the mountaintop because Matthew wants us to see that, that like Moses who went up to the mountaintop and received the law of God in the tablets, Jesus on the mountaintop with his disciples is giving that same law to his followers. Not to replace Moses and the commandments, but to fulfill Moses and the commandments, which is who Jesus was according to Matthew's understanding, the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, the living, breathing incarnation of that law and, and, the, and the words of the prophets in flesh. With that, we come to the 17th chapter, although your bulletins say uh, uh, the 21st, and the 17th chapter is the preface to all that follows. So. Try to open up your ears to hear this word. Jesus says to them and to us, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, jot and tittle is the actual King James Version, you've heard that before, not the jot or tittle will be my, by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council and if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away too. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. I say to you, you don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, that is to make oaths, for you cannot make one hair white or black with those oaths. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Sweet Jesus, loving Jesus, merciful Jesus, how can we live faithfully according to your word and your way? How can we love fully in the way you loved? Be our strength and our guide as we continue on the road to becoming. In your name we pray. Amen. I just started at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. It was my first gig as a pastor and not associate pastor. I was young, probably 35 or 6, and I was told that there was a member there who was a lawyer. His name was M.K. Pentecost, and he was, he was all about the presbytery. The presbytery was the, is the local governing body for Presbyterian churches. We don't have hierarchies like bishops standing over us. We have a, the presbytery or the churches in our particular region and we help govern each other because as Scots Presbyterians, we don't trust hierarchical power. <laughs> so we, we represent the power among us so that it's dispersed just like our session. And MK Pentecost apparently loved Greater Atlanta Presbytery and as a lawyer, I was told, he was always by the book. I didn't meet him until one day I was standing in the line I stand in after church when you walk through and give me your comments, trying to be as nice as you can, even though you may not really mean it. And like, there was this doctor in my church in, in, in Atlanta, and uh, he would come through the, uh, the line and he'd reach, stick his hand out and he'd say, Steve, uh, you gave me a lot to chew on. And if you didn't like it, he said, uh, you gave me a lot to chew on and it's hard to digest. <laughs> and if he really didn't like it, he said, a lot to chew on, hard to digest, and it's giving me heartburn. <laughs> MK didn't say any of that. He just walked up and stuck his hand out, dressed in a navy blue suit, dark tie, hat in one hand, hand out to me in the other, 
looks at me and says, MK Pentecost. I said, hi, Mr. Pentecost. I've been waiting to meet you. Good to meet you. And he says to me, how long have you been antinomian? <laughs> Having no idea what antinomian meant, I said, you know, that's a great question. Why don't we have lunch this week and we'll, and we'll talk about it. After I shook everyone's hands and got back to my office, I immediately made a beeline to look up antinomian. <laughs> Anti's easy, right? Not, no. Nomian, it's about the law, the, the nomos in Greek, the law, especially the moral law. And what he was asking me it was, how long have I been lawless? <laughs> and the reason he was saying it was because what he heard in my sermon that day, as in most of the sermons, is that I tend to preach grace over law. I tend to preach Jesus as the presence of that grace as opposed to living by the jot and tittle of the Torah, the law and the Bible. So I, I decided it was a compliment. I'm Presbyterian and Reformed. Made so by Paul's word in, in, the, in the letter of Romans who says, we are, we are saved by grace and not by works. Who says that we are, by faith in Christ, justified with God. That is how we are made righteous. It's not about keeping the law perfectly, those priests and Pharisee hypocrites Jesus always pointed to. It is about grace revealed to us in Christ's life and death and resurrection in Jesus. I was so proud of that. I preached gospel of love over law, grace over rules, faith over works, mercy over judgment, and forgiveness over, over punishment. All the while, what I didn't know was that I was implying that Jews were a people who practice a, law, a love of law, while we Christians are a people who practice a law of love. When I discovered I was antinomian, I was so proud. <laughs> While I also suspected MK Pentecost of being one of those button-down lawyer, Baptist, check-the-box, law-obsessed Christians you just don't want to get near. Turns out, you see, I was wrong. I, I should not have been proud. I should have been humbled and convicted, but it took me a while to see it. I'm still seeing it, in fact, because what I've learned is that it's neither law nor love, but both and. As in everything truly that matters, it's both and, the third option. Law can exist without love. We see that way too often. But love cannot exist without law. Every parent understands it. Matthew makes this clear in this passage to his disciples and therefore us. From the message version, listen again. Don't suppose for a minute I have come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete and fulfill. I am going to put it all together pull it all together in a panorama, 
God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than those Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Ouch. From Jesus. These words, I think, offer substance and proof that Jesus did not come to do away with the law of the Jews, but to fulfill it, even to expand it and make it even more complicating uh, or complicated by adding to not only the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, the moral righteousness of the law. Jesus came to put flesh on it to make it something that must be interpreted and lived out and, and, and managed and struggled with and practiced and practiced and practiced in all our circumstances and crazy complications. This must happen for us to live a fulfilled life. And it takes enormous practice and discipline to come reasonably close. I discovered this when in 2014, I applied for a Lilly Foundation scholarship. I had to write this really important paper about uh, what made my heart sing. They didn't want me to go do preacher stuff. They want us to go do something that makes our heart sing that preachers don't normally do. And so I decided I wanted to learn how to paint, to see the world like a paint artist sees the world, a visual artist, because I see the word, world in words, but an artist sees it in, in pictures in, in, in a completely different way. And so I wanted to learn how to, to do that. I wanted to learn how to paint, so that was my proposal. And I had this friend in Jacksonville, you may know his name, he was a church member at Riverside named Ford Riley. He's got several of his paintings at the cloister, most, a lot of the fluent houses in Jacksonville have uh, the Ford Riley painting in their uh, halls or foyers. Uh, it's an, he's an amazing artist, is all I can say. So I, uh, after buying the supplies and paints and so forth and planning a trip to France and Scotland to do plein air painting and paint the landscape, I called Ford up and said, uh, I just got this award, this fellowship, would you be willing to help teach me how to paint? He goes, sure, I'd love to, preacher. Um, but um, what I need you to do first is go buy a book called A La Prima, which is wet on wet is what it means. A La Prima by artist Richard Schmid. Sure. So I ordered it, 75 bucks. <laughs> and I opened the book to start the exercises. You had to learn how to draw first. Oh, that's hard. Real hard. Then you had to learn how paint works and you had to learn how to value the different tones of the paint. If you're not just dealing with royal blue, you had to value it in like 12 different tonal ranges from stronger to less for every color in the palette. Then you had to learn how, how to structure. Then you, by about a tenth way into the book, I slammed it shut and said, this is going to take a lifetime. 
So I called up my friend Ford. Hey, Ford, I really appreciate you telling me to go read Richard Smith's book, but I got to tell you, it's way over my head, and I just quit. He goes, I was wondering how long it was going to take you to figure that out. <laughs> now that you know the discipline that it takes to become an artist, come on down and we'll start working together. By the way, I did learn how to paint. I, not, I am not yet an artist. Those are way different, different places. Just like everything, you can't become an artist if you don't practice the rules and disciplines needed any more than you can become a musician if you don't do the scales, any more than you can become a human being in the way Jesus wants us to if we do not follow the fundamental principles God has given us about how we're called to live each other, live with each other in community, because that's what the law is given for to learn to live with each other in community and to honor each other's stuff. This is what Jesus meant when he said, I've come to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And what he was saying was, as we've come to admit, Jesus was the living human document of the law, the breathing fulfillment of the law and all that he was and did. The word made flesh, Jesus in the law. For the Jew, the law was God's word. God spoke to the Hebrew people with law. As Moses went up to the mountaintop, then evolving into the 413 laws of the Torah. That was God's word. For Christians, God's word is that that law became flesh in Jesus Christ. It doesn't do away with the law. It only makes it that much more expanded so that not only are Jews able to live it out, but so are Gentiles. That's us. Strangely enough, you know, every, the history of law has been that civilizations form. You go from hunter-gatherer to nomadic to, uh, to you know, uh, feudal system with the Lord over it. And, each level, and then finally manufacturing and industry and mercantile, which is where we, every step of, of the rise, the four-step process, the law has to be redone to manage, to manage the, the circumstances. That's what law does. It manages us to keep from being in chaos and stealing everybody's stuff or doing bad stuff. This is why uh, Jesus understood the law as being so important. But he also understood that the law was also meant to be interpreted, which is exactly why he healed on the Sabbath against the law, why he ate with sinners and tax collectors against the law, while disciples of his did not wash their hands before they ate against the law, and Jesus responding, what goes into your mouth uh, 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 is not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of it. Jesus expands the law, the fence of the law meant to contain us and also to keep people out. Jesus expands it into this much bigger moral and spiritual understanding that involves justice because you can you can be the ones who write the law and you can be the ones who keep the law and usually those are the people who have most of the stuff and that law ends up not taking care of the people who don't have much of the stuff unless those people who don't have much of the stuff have a voice and that was Jesus and who he was talking to so, I was wrong about MK Pentecost. 
I have now decided that we are in trouble in our communities and civilizations because we have forgotten how to live with each other according to the law of God. Jesus gave us some rules. Short flyover. By the way, he radicalizes it. And the word for that is radix, which is the heart of the matter, the, the root of the matter. The, he radicalizes the Hebrew law like murder. Don't murder, but... You say something about somebody, you call them a name, you carry a grudge, you're angry, you can't let it go. Jesus says, that's just like murder and you better go to that person and do everything you can to reconcile it. Otherwise, it will eat you up and you will live in hell and damnation, not then, but now. 12-steppers call it making amends. Don't even come to church and put your, put your check in the, in the offering plate. If you, if, you, if you have something about somebody that you haven't figured out a way to reconcile with or they with you, you're supposed to get up and leave. You don't have to right now, but just think about it. <laughs> Jesus says you shall not commit adultery. We remember the Jimmy Carter rule, some of us. If you look at a woman with a Lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. But the Jewish law was not about that. The Jewish law was about patriarchy because you commit adultery when a married man or an unmarried man sleeps with a married wife. And the reason is that the married wife is the property of the one she is married to. And you have now defiled that property of the man. It's patriarchal. Besides that, if you sleep with a woman who's not your wife, you don't, or the husband of the woman may not know who the child is that comes. So all of that is built for the structure of civilization. But Jesus says if you even look at another man's wife, you've committed adultery. I guess women can't commit adultery in this sense, but, <laughs> but again, it's patriarchal, right? If, and if you do, cut your eyes out. If, if, if your hand reaches out and touches someone inappropriately, cut it off. It's better for you to not have it than to act on it. And then he re radicalizes it even further. Whoever divorces his wife, let him, give, give him, let him give her a certificate of divorce, the law says but, says. but I say to you, anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, commits her to commit adultery Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I guess I've committed adultery. As have many of you. But that's not what he's saying. Women had no power. None. The husband can choose to be divorced by simply gathering two or three friends together as witnesses and then say, I divorce you with a certificate, and she's gone. The, the woman has no choice to do that unless the husband is having an affair. The wife has no power. That's why he says, do not divorce nor do not put a woman in that condition or situation where she is powerless. Wow. Sitting with his disciples, Jesus expands the parameters of the law around all of us. 
Just as he did when the Pharisee, you know, the Pharisee, that lawyer Pharisee comes up to Jesus and he wants to catch him. It's in the last part of Matthew, he wants to catch him so they'll have some proof of why they need to get rid of him. He expands it when the, when the lawyer says, what's the number one commandment? Knowing that whatever he says is not going to fulfill it, Jesus says, well, doesn't miss a beat. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And the second one is just like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All other commandments are built on these two. What Jesus is telling us is that the law of love, as well as the love of law, both together, is what we are called to practice as, as followers and disciples. The law of love, that, that vertical movement of God down to us through grace and the presence and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that love of law, that horizontal platform upon which, upon which we are called to live and move and have our being as good neighbors and citizens Sounds like the cross. That place where we are convicted for not living up to it and forgiven at the same time. And also that place where we find the fortitude and the power of the Spirit of God to renew us again to live, hopefully, a little bit better day to day. M.K. Pentecost, by the way, Still in the story, I come to St. Simon's, I hear somebody talk about the MK Pentecost Fund. Really? Like MK Pentecost from Atlanta? Yep. He moved to St. Simon's a while back and um, turns out that he was just in as much in love with Savannah Presbytery as he was Atlanta Presbytery, so that when he died, he bequeathed a million dollars to Savannah Presbytery. You ready for this? Button-down, collar, conservative, M.K. Pentecost leaves a million dollars to Savannah Presbytery for ecological, green, and conservation purposes. Bam! He gets me again. <laughs> Convicted. I had him pigeonholed. Amen. <laughs>